Welcome to the Edge and Flow podcast. TJ Schwartz here. I'm hanging out with Lucas Burnley. And it is the last episode of the year. We're recording on the 30th of December, 2022. And we think it's probably a wise idea to do a little bit of a recap for both of us on uh, what we did this year and also what we did together, which the podcast uh, was six months of this previous year and kind of recap how that's been going. Yeah, maybe a little little industry recap too, what we saw. We really slid this one in under the wire. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It feels Down good to, though. Right at the end. At I know. The buzzer six, beater. Six solid months. Yeah. That is, that's pretty, that's pretty big because we were talking about this for kind of off and on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's actually happening and yeah. like has been happening, I think that's, that's pretty cool. And I think this is episode 21 out of six solid. months. So we're not quite hitting. Let's see, like 20, what, eight would be every mm-hmm. week. So eh, not quite. I'll take week. it, man. I think that's yeah. fantastic. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. For everything else that's been going on, yeah. I think it's really solid. Yeah. Yeah. Where do we start, man? Like, do we start now and work backwards <clears throat> or do we just start in the back and well, work forwards? Give me some highlights of your year. Give me some highlights. Highlights, highlights of the year. Man, It um, honestly, a lot of it really blends <laughs> blends together. Um. I guess this is the first year that we've felt really settled in the new shop. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the keystones there were finalizing. Like I got my Kaser compressor up and running and my surface grinder, yeah. which that put me back exactly where I had left my last shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that's like kind of, I don't know, feels minor. Cause it's like a couple pieces of equipment, but overall like workflow and just like peace of and mind. You moved huge. in 21. We moved, no, we moved in 20. Mm, yeah. So we, man, it's crazy. This stuff, the stuff takes fast. time. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it goes, it goes fast. So, okay. Shop finalized, um, made the decision to kind of pull back on shows, but also be present at shows. Um, so we, I did, we both did two of those, right? No, one. Yeah. We, we went to both blades. No, shows. we went to both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we went to both. That actually feels like uh, a pretty big step because it's something that had been in the back of my mind for a while. Yep. Um, and not exhibiting, not exhibiting, just going for, you know, social element and like to spend time with people. Um, I think it proved the concept for both of us, which is like, there's value in just being mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. What else, man? Um, it's funny, like put on the spot now. Like, I feel like I can't yeah. remember anything. Oh, got like, got my Smithy area up and yeah, running. A little blacksmithing. Um, that's another one back in 2019. I took a two week, uh, forging course, like introduction to bladesmithing. And it's been like slowly building since then. And I now have like a fairly respectable hot work area. Um, mm-hmm. you realize like though, how many like small tools you need? Like yeah. <laughs> every time I do something, I'm like, ah, like a swage block and like a leg vice and. Yeah, that's just like support <laughs> equipment. Anytime yeah. you go to do anything, it's like all the little things. I mean, it's it's just it, it, that's why you see like old timers in their shops, yep. and they have like j- drawers on drawers on shelves on like everything. It's like, oh, I need to go do some uh, some soldering, you know, co- and yep. they get a shoebox down. It's like they got their copper soldering stuff. They got their flux. They got the propane torch. Yep. And, some handmade tool for that and wire brush. Like it's just yeah. every, and it's not stuff you use all the time. 
Yeah. We, we were just talking about Christmas, like holidays. So I did like the shopping for the like family Christmas this year. And you realize like sometimes you're just like, I'm buying like a flat of chips, not because they're all going to get eaten. It's because like, you're going to want a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same thought process, right? Yep. Which is like, there's, there's some, some key tools that when you do need them or want them, they just make so much sense. Here's a question before like little rabbit hole. If you had to like gut response, like a budget for a new tool, like the, the side items, mm. what percentage of a new tool purchase is that? Or anything like shop setup where you're like, like my Smithy, I realize, okay, so like those tools, like probably like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Like I probably could have spent another like four or $5,000. Yeah. On, I was, was going to say 20, 20, 25%, maybe 25, 25%. Yeah. Like it's a good, it's kind of like a, a lot of guys who do like engine swaps in cars. Yeah. They say like budget it to the T as best you can yep. and then add 30% yep. because they're saying you're going to forget. 30% yep. of the stuff. Same thing yep. I'd say is like budget it out as far as you can and then say like 25% more than that. Yeah. Just a little bit of bleed. Yeah. Even like I've been doing um, towards the end of the year, a little bit of like jewelry work. And I feel like that margin holds. It's like you buy your mm-hmm. materials, you buy a couple of key tools and then it's just like 25% is right there. Just mm-hmm. budget it out, yep. out of the gate. All right. Yep. Uh, other high points. Um, I don't know, man. You, you've been with me this entire year. Any high yeah. points that like stick out for you? Anything that you can see? Uh, I would say it was we, earlier in the year we were we were you and I were working together. It actually predates the podcast. We were yep. on Zoom calls all the time, uh, and you were learning CAD. Yep. And we were kind of working specifically together Fusion. Fusion. Yeah, yep. and that that kind of led almost to the podcast. The fact that we were doing the Zoom calls on the on the CAD. Yep. And I feel like that was it. Seemed to me like it was kind of a high point for you possibly. Cause it was kind of like, I could see you getting into CAD and you've talked about moving forward with like more, more advanced CAD skills. Yep. And it's agree. like, it seems like a seed was planted this year for you. Well, and that, and that maybe, right. It's not a finalized thing, but it's the start of something important, like that changes the way I work moving forward. Can I make a confession? Yeah. I've on. talked previously on the podcast about like extolling the virtues of fusion, right? Yep. I have been designing a few different projects recently and I realized I prefer designing in SolidWorks <laughs> because of it. And it all comes down to the way that the sketches work. Interesting. It feels better to me, but I don't actually know if it's because of my like many thousands of hours in SolidWorks and maybe it, it's it, it seems like a more direct connection for me to be artistic. And so I've actually been for months now using Fusion for everything except the initial design phase. So like yeah. the modifications, cam, like textures I'm doing in Fusion, but I'm actually doing the initial design layout in SolidWorks. And I actually uh, think that's more common than people let on sometimes. I think yeah. especially as you move through different um, programs, I think the your mastery of one is hard to shake. Like mm. we talk about Rhino a lot. I am by no means a master of Rhino, but I'm I'm comfortable making it do what I need to mm. do. Even just with Fusion, it's like I would almost rather sketch in Rhino and then yeah. import it and start doing my modeling. Um, so I'm also kind of thinking that it, I almost think like Fusion needs to work on their sketching a little bit. I because I I couldn't tell if it's like am I just being like 
subconsciously biased towards SolidWorks because it feels more comfortable artistically? Yeah. Or is there actually like kind of some friction and static with Fusion? I think there might be because like when I sketch lines, I, I click and drag lines. So I lay them in rough and then yeah. I click and drag and move lines to get it to where I want. And if they're like tangent lines, when you click and drag in SolidWorks, it kind of like all the other lines kind of like stretch and flow in what in like a more organic way. Mm-hmm. But if you click and drag in Fusion, it like kind of breaks. And so it's like, yeah, that makes sense. it's like you can't, it's like, I, I like, it's almost like I'm pushing and pulling on clay with the sketch. But in Fusion, it's like, it's, you have to almost like delete lines and like redraw them where you want them and then delete them and then redraw them. Or like, right. it's kind of hard to feels cumbersome. M- like mold it with like, it f- doesn't feel as organic. I don't know. But I would say that's just one check against Fusion right now. But I know that they are the kind of company that seems to be fixing things and like improving all the time. Sure seems so like it. if they could get their sketches, because I know a lot of things like the knife making is a very specific thing. And right. when Fusion's looking at their clientele, like if you're drawing more geometric, like holes, chamfers, uh, cuts and like pockets and stuff that are like very parametric and geometric, it's every bit as good as SolidWorks. But with a knife, it's you don't really want it to look geometric necessarily. Like I'm right. trying to make you it. Don't, look yeah, organic. you don't want it to be all geometry driven. Yeah, basically. And it's 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 just less organically minded um, than SolidWorks. Interesting. So, well, it's, I don't know. I'm getting re- I'm getting ready. That's that's the beginning of next year. I'm yeah. going. I'm going to go but, hard in CAD. But for you, one of the things is you do a a, a lot of sketching. Yep. And if you're trying to turn a sketch into a model, it's right. very, very good. So yep. hands, uh, hands, what TJ means is hand sketching. Yeah. Um, TJ yeah, is a beast and just sketches on his computer. Right. Um, which I, I, I can't do. So I go well, from paper sketch and basically start as that is like a framework. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And so like in SolidWorks for years, I don't sketch anything on paper. Maybe I do, but it's only an exercise. It's right. I don't even necessarily bring it in to the computer. I just look at it and kind of get an just idea, use it as a, a feel, point. and then just sketch free flow in SolidWorks. I just I've just found that in Fusion I can't free flow ground up blank sheet design very well with yeah. the way that the sketch kinematics that's are. Interesting. Um, whatever. But I, that's, that's a that's a pretty big one. Bit I'm of a digression, you. but yeah, yeah, that's no, no. That's, Seems like it was a, a seed for you that I hope blossoms. Yeah. And it just right now, it's just continue. Like I realize we talked about this a little bit this morning. Like I realize that CAD, like more robust CAD is where I want to take a lot of what my business is doing. Mm-hmm. The the forging and like the more kind of analog metal work is really something that I want to do for me. And for a while it was kind of in the middle where it was like, I was doing both really focusing inside the business. Now having that as like an kind of an out, like, I guess a side, like not really a side hustle, but you know, for lack of a better term, just the ability, like some creative outlet, Mm -hmm. I think is allowing me to really see like, okay, like I can actually start to shift. Like even the, the design work that I'm doing for companies and stuff, like there's no version of that that isn't improved by a more robust model. Right. You know, so I'm excited. That's, that's going into next year. Um, yeah, man, I I feel like, I feel like a lot of the stuff for me this year was kind of minor adjustments, Mm -hmm. small, small improvements to a system. Um, so yeah. Yeah. What about you dialing it in? Yeah. Uh, 
Well, the beginning of the year, February, had my son. So Big. that <laughs> is can't top that. <laughs> so I love the knife industry, but there's nothing going on in, in work life that's going to top having yeah, my son. That's, so a, that's a big that, one. That's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been growing, so it's been fun to watch. And then, but on the work side, I this year was the first full year of like performing as a full blown like knife oper knife making operation. Um, I've made knives in the past. I've kind of here and there made knives, but this was the first like 365 days of like making knives full full bore. Um, albeit with a lot of little hiccups because. I had, you know, bought a new machine. I had to put sheetrock in my shop and run air, like all kinds of times where my shop was like torn apart. Yeah. Um, but I was making knives the whole time. And so I, I probably going just to be transparent. Like I probably went into 2022 with like, maybe I'd built like 50 knives in my life before 2022. And then in 2022, probably built like 800 knives or yeah, something like that. a little that. bit of a difference, man. So when did you, when did the first CNC land? When did the, the Tormach land? Uh, it was actually, I had, I had it all of 2021. Okay. So I just, I only made, like I started making Overlands in 2021, yep. but I probably only made like a couple dozen. Yep. At, it, it, was it was all like, process development yeah, and learning. And you yeah, had never it, run CNC before this. So, I mean, this is huge. Yeah. I, huge 2021, strides. I learned how to use a CNC. Yeah. And I was also, I had a lot of, uh, I, I, I've done a lot of contract work in the past where I'm not like licensing designs, but I'm literally doing CAD work as like a contractor. And I tapered all that out in 2021. So that's all gone. So 2021 was like learning CNC and like cutting out projects that aren't focused on my shop. Yep. And so 2022, like I said, it was like the first year where I, I like knew the CNC, started making full bore, started like just, you know, full steam ahead. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy with how it went. Like I, I'm actually looking back, like I kind of am surprised that it went as smooth as it did with how much it seems like I had to do to get it around the corner. But yeah, I'm really happy. It was good. That's solid. And you added a CNC machine. Added another so machine. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You're running two now. Yeah. Um, you just, you are now on your second model. Third, if you count the scalpel. Third, sure, sure. I guess, yeah, yeah. like of like the archetypal designs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? So you're on your third model. Uh, that's like pretty big, man. So you're going to roll into next year with a new model. Yeah. And, the, and the, the Overland and the scalpel <clears throat> were designed, I believe, in 2021. I know the Overland, but okay. I believe the scalpel also predates 2022. So yep. I didn't launch or i didn't actually ship any knives except for the ones that had already been designed this year yeah. it was like all, all i had time to worry about was like improving the shop and the process yeah and now i'm pivoting into like different designs because i can you know re reuse what i've learned and reapply it so 2023 i'm, I'm just really looking forward to it yeah it's interesting because like uh, the kind of your your wins this year were like big like overarching kind of was it was just a a, it was like the biggest pivot of my career was 2022 yeah for sure and mine are like very they're like these just small there's like small little adjustments like yeah you know course corrections and and that i think that yeah course corrections refinements i think that over time it's fun to kind of alternate those right like you can't be in a growth state 100 percent of the time yeah and you don't want to just like sit back and not grow. Yeah. 
you know that's pretty cool man yeah yeah no i'm I'm happy it was a whirlwind year just like they all seem to be nowadays what a year yeah so Jeez. but yeah. I'm, I'm really happy that you mentioned the state of the industry like selling direct to customer obviously has changed the feel of the yeah. industry for me and it's like it's just been cool to have my hands like on the right on the pulse yeah. where i'm like shipping direct to customer and it yeah. it's cool to see like the the life of the industry it just I, i've never felt more connected to like the customer base yeah. and it, it, it's it just seems healthy like i you know you always hear like a little bit of doom and gloom here and there about the economy and stuff but i look at the knife industry and i'm just like man it take a take a lot to tear this apart. Like this is this is strong. You know it's what I mean? Pretty like, solid. I mean that's yeah. why I'm always preaching diversification. It falls yeah. into that category, which you have. But I think on if you if you look at this industry as like your like your calling, you know, or, or I guess what is the what's the correct term for this? Like a, a vocation, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is your mm-hmm. vocation. Um, I really think that. Like if you're a, if you are a complete CAD designer, I think there's a huge amount of value in actually making a product and selling it to a customer. Mm -hmm. You learn something different. If all you're doing is making your own product and selling it to customers, I think there's a lot of value in working with a company on your designs or at a minimal level, like working with dealers and their customer base. And like, you just learn a different, you learn different flows. You can kind of pick and pull from things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, there's a lot of really good, really inexpensive knives this year. That's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like an overarching like industry tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? quality is really getting up there, and quality is the getting board. really up there. Um, in a way, like you you look at it and you're like, man, that's that's like there's some intimidation factor. Like it's scary, but I feel competition's like heating up. Competition's heating up. Um, I feel like it is. There's a lot of area for brands to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is exciting because I think it makes the overall industry better. Um, but yeah, man, it's like every time you look, there's like some new company. Yeah. Yeah. There was, feels like the number of not necessarily individual makers, but right. like actual startup companies yeah. seems more, it seems busier in that space than ever yeah. before. Like the, like the micro brand, right? Yeah. Like going to an OEM manufacturer with a design, yeah. having them produce your design and then releasing it as like and, a, some type of small knife company. Yeah. And when I came out in like 2012 or when I started getting into the industry, I remember it was like, it felt like custom knife makers as individuals yeah. were popping up all over like left and right. Yep. But it seems like there weren't that many people like going as far as to create like a quote unquote brand. Right. It was like, custom makers that had been in for a while that were then taking some of their designs yeah. overseas and doing mm-hmm. production runs. Mm-hmm. Now it's yeah. like there's a point. There's being, brands popping up. Like there's brands popping right up. Right out the They're, gate. Yeah. yeah. That aren't maker driven. So that's yeah. like, I it's think like we'll continue to see that. Yeah. I, can, I think we'll continue out. to see that. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think like, you know, the brand building side. Yeah. And the story and the community that goes around the brands, I think is really, really important. Mm. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, lasers are super cheap. There's yeah. that. Right. <laughs> like, right. I feel like that's changed quite a bit. Like the price of tools and the availability of machinery right now. Yeah. CNC's man, never a better time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like brand new high feature rad machinery. Yep. Like yep. for instance, I have a laser, a, a fiber laser that I'll say it was $36,000. You have a laser that can arguably do 
99% of what mine can do. And it was like, how much? 2,700 delivered. Did not exist a couple of years ago. It's, That's wild. And and yeah, it's and it's the technology side of it, you know? Because like I said, yep. in 2012, all the custom makers that were coming out is like they're buying belt grinders, yep. band saws, drill presses. That was like, there was a lot of Instagram uh, maker types that just had like the, you know, the big three tools the classic, in the garage, yep. the classic. And now it's like the technology has trickled to the affordability level of like CNCs and garages in the as your first like, tool. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And it, it used to be kind of like absurd if you just first thing you did to make knives was like instantly just bought a CNC. It was yeah, like, unless you're like just, retired tool and die maker or yeah. like that's like, it's like you're in. But, but I mean, you're, you're a great example of this. Like you had a little bit of knife making equipment. But the CNC was really where you started making like numbers of knives. Yeah, yeah. So now, now it becomes like I always talked about the big three, which is the belt grinder, the bandsaw, and the drill press. You can start a shop now and those become support tools. Yeah. They're not the, the big three anymore. The CNC is, it's almost like there's a big four and the CNC is one of them. What are the it's, big, what are, so if you had it now, it's like, Okay, is CAD a tool? Do would you consider it a tool? It's not like a tangible. Like I would call it more of a skill. That's a skill, a skill. Okay. more than a tool. But so, but that's like a, that's a hard one, right? Because if you bandsaw, grinder, drill press, you have to have a skill set to use those. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so CAD is the is the base skill set. Mm-hmm. What are the What are the big three now? Honestly, it depends on what you're trying to do. Like, it depends on what you see this as. Is it totally. like? Is it an experience you're looking for? You're is big it a, three. Are you trying to build a business? Are you yeah. trying to are you trying to like set your family up? Like, are you trying to? Is this a side hustle and you don't and right. you love your day job? I don't know. Don't need the money. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But like for but, you, what are your if you were to look at it, like what would would your big three tools be? I would say day one. Well, day one, start learning CAD. Get, I mean, because CNC is not going to work that well for you if you don't have yep. something to go on in cad like yep. you have rhino you at least have that like yep. you have to have something yeah i probably wouldn't buy a cnc until i had like a reasonable amount of cad experience so it's like if i would say like cad experience get like a few months of that spend some serious hours late nights get that figured out i would almost put cnc on the very top of the list for the mm-hmm. first thing to buy i would say and then right next to it at the same time you're gonna need a belt grinder a two by 72. Still I think you'll need it. You always I, I think need it's it. critical. Yeah, I do too. The drill press. No, like you no, don't need it. Don't you, need it. They're fully. so cheap that you probably should get one. Right. Like you, you can but get it's a, not good, a big solid three. one for like 300 bucks. Yeah. But it's, it's not like a, a pillar anymore because yep. you're not going to be drilling holes in knives that you have made on a CNC. You're just not you know. um, like the only thing I use mine for is Kydex. And even yep. that's on the CNC now. Um, so, so, CNC belt grinder and you got to figure out finishing yep. whatever your, your ideal finishing is for me. It's, it's like sandblaster and tumbler. Yep. It may be your like satin finishes, but sandblaster is way up there. Um, cause you can Would do you, like, you could pick one or the, if you had to pick one or the other between what, between a blaster and a tumbler for me, they they go together. Cause I always I know blast but and you can't tumble. Have top three, top three. Not, oh, blaster. Yep. Blaster? Sandblast okay. first. Because you, you can do finishes that don't require tumbling in a blaster. But you can also do finishes that don't require blasting. You can, but it's less versatile, I think. Okay. 
I don't know. I, right. I, think I know. I that's a tough one. Deburring. Blast cabinet first. Blast okay. cabinet first, in my opinion. So there you go. Times, yeah. they are a-changing. But yeah, CNC. See, I feel like <laughs> this year taught me I waited too long to buy a CNC. Yeah. And I, I was talking to um, a friend of mine today, actually Ben Peterson, and we were, I was talking about CNC machines. And uh, what did I say? It was like, I feel like CNCs are really intimidating to people that haven't used them. Like if you've ne- if you just look at it and you see like this crazy space age robot, it's really intimidating. I know I was. I think I was so intimidated that it prevented me for like a number like at least three or four years from buying going out and buying one. And I think people have this feeling of like I want to get familiar enough with it where I'm not intimidated and then buy it. I think you're never you're always going to be intimidated by this thing until you are in front of one. You know what I mean? It's like if yep. you've never driven a car, until you learn how to drive, it's going to scare the crap out of you. Totally. So you, first step, buy the CNC, put it down there. You got to start pressing buttons. You got to jog it around. You got to start playing with it. Like that's the only way to get that intimidation out. So the fact that you're intimidated is not a red flag not to buy it. Mm-hmm. It's it's the reason to buy it, you know? Fair. And you got to be able to afford it. I mean, don't you, you don't go buy a CNC like praying that it's going to pay for itself in the first right. six weeks not yep. going to happen. Took me a year to get it all up and going profitability wise. Yep. But you got to buy what you can afford. If it's not much, like if it's a simple, even a 3d printer is a CNC machine technically. Yeah. I was, I was almost going to make the argument that a, a 3d printer at this point, because they're so inexpensive. Yeah. It doesn't directly relate to knife making. I mean, it can, but it's yeah. not going to be finished product. Yeah. Right. For the most part. Yeah. Um, but it's a such it's such a skill builder. You're, you're probably right. Maybe buy the 3D printer as the very first thing, and that yeah. be a bundled part of learning CAD yeah. because they kind of go together. Yeah, yeah. You're getting you're getting like the would it be like a like like a cognitive link essentially. Like yeah. Like once you're mo- like working with like you know stepper motors and like yeah. and and components, you start to see like oh okay this is like oh X Y Z like that's what that means like okay yeah. yeah. You have you have a framework to like mm-hmm. move forward on. Okay, another so about- big one for you. Hold on. Okay, uh, this one is actually a really big one for me. Uh, you went with a machine that like was kind of a, it's like I say it's a gamble. You were very confident in it. Oh, I knew it was a gamble, but I was. But confident. it's a gamble. Yeah, you're right. We are how many months into you having the style? Uh, I think it was. End of July, mid July. So yeah, what is call that? It six months, five, six months. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, give us an update on it, man. Any regrets? No regrets. Okay. Does no great. If it, it, it's a amazing machine for knife making. Okay. I can see where it would not work well for certain things. Okay. If you are going to machine billet aluminum with large MRR material removal rate probably not the machine for you nor is any machine of this weight and size that like the mini mill or whatever because its biggest limitation and i find this not when i'm making knives but when i'm making fixtures is it just can't handle mrr like high feed right because it just it vibrates you know what i mean and so i highly recommend something else but if you're if you're trying to build like handlebar clamps for harley davidson's out of big chunks of aluminum yeah you got buy a dollar or something that's way more rigid and slower yeah. if you can't afford like a VF2. Yeah. Um, but for this, the speed, accuracy, performance for knife making. Oh yeah. It's a knife making beast. So sure. still, I'm basically still on the hunt. 
and mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I stay brand loyalist to Haas mm-hmm. or if I make the jump. So you're still, you still are of the opinion that you would, you would be comfortable with me making the jump to style. I think so. Yeah. I think you would like it. Okay. I it's think- cool seeing more and more of them pop up and like seeing like kind of as problems arise, yeah. how the company's handling it and stuff. If I wanted a, if I wanted a bigger machine, yeah. I would go Haas because yeah. style makes bigger machines. Right. But as soon as I got, if I personally, if I was going to go for a bigger machine above what I have is the X7, yep. like that, they have an X9 and an X11, I would yep. go Haas because at that point you start to lose the advantage of Sile, which yep. is they build a really, really good small CNC machine yep. that I think I, I, I haven't run a mini mill in my personally, but I think I would prefer it to the mini mill from what I know. Sure. But I don't know that I would prefer like the, the, x11 to the vf2 i think i'd rather have right, vf2 right there's there's a best value yeah. proposition where i see like with sile i really feel like the x5 is providing something that like doesn't doesn't exist because if yeah. you could do like an office mill yeah the x5 is like a little bit of an intermediate step between like yeah. the office mill and like the super mini but it's like a third of the price the, the x5 like if you're looking for a cnc machine you don't know where to start Start looking at the X5 today. Yeah. That machine yeah. is, that is a knife maker's delight. And I have the X7, which is a little bit bigger, but the X5 came out like right around that time. And holy cow, that X5, like, because it's similar to mine, it has a lot of the same attributes, but it's even smaller, but it's the same weight, which is really helpful. Holy cow, dude, that X5, like, yeah, man, what a machine. You How could about- almost fit two X5s in the footprint of the X seven. Is that not quite. So not the X five is right. I, don't quote me on this. The X five is like 39 inches wide. You heard me right. 39. Yeah. That's like yeah. the size of a door. Yeah. This and, thing is small and it's yeah. 16 tools, 16 tools. And the, yeah. the X seven is like 56 inches wide. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's not like way, way, way. So wider. I could fit two X fives in the footprint of my, Haas oh, yeah. TM1P. For sure. And that's probably a TM1. Probably smaller than. Probably yeah. smaller. Yeah. And and compared to like a VF2, it's probably realistically, you, I mean, you wouldn't want them this close for right. functional reasons, but like three of the three X5s would fit inside of a VF2. And they're not deep either, right? I think they're, they're a little bit deep, but they're okay. narrow. I think they are a little bit I'm deep. I'm just, man, I'm like on this hunt right now. Like I realize the way that I work has changed so much over the years. Like I just want... I want all the functionality. Mm-hmm. Like I would love at some point, I would love to get a CNC lathe mm-hmm. to play with. Like I Same. realize a lot of the equipment that I'm getting or that I'm interested in is actually just a, around like learning it and being mm-hmm. like being able to apply it, but not, it's not production based. I just, yeah. I want like the lab out of Blade Runner. I just want to, be able yeah, to really yeah. build weird stuff. Yeah. No. I, and Sile's working on a lathe, so yeah. they haven't announced any details, but they've just yeah. posted like teasers. Yeah. So I'll be curious on that. But like, I, I someday could see owning an X5 as well. Um, but it's they're they're affordable enough for me where it's like with scaling as I scale, yeah. like it's almost like if you're serious, serious, serious about being a knife maker slash manufacturer, like. A VF2, you can like palletize and you can have like backspacers, yeah. scales, blades, all this like laid out on this table. Yeah. For the price of a VF2, like that's loaded decently, you could get three X5s, put them in the same footprint, and you have a backspacer one 
a yeah. blade one and a scales yeah. one like that that is kind yeah, you of got how a machine that's running only running composites yeah yep exactly you know, dedication dedication yeah well that i think so i went with for my power hammer i went with an anyang right it's an import mm-hmm. hammer that's brought in and gone over um by uh oh man i'm gonna blank on his name um johnson james johnson um yeah anyway i saw that like the other option is to buy an older machine that is like refurbed or you mm-hmm. refurb it yourself i realized that in my working lifetime like b- being able to buy a new machine that does everything i need it to do and is not a project man is so valuable so yeah. it's like i bought my first cnc used I have no problem with buying another used CNC, but, Mm -hmm. but at the same time I look, I'm like, man, if you can spend, you know, short money, walk into a brand new machine, that's going to do everything you need it to do for five years or 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's probably a really good value proposition. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause they're consumables. I mean, they really are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like Sile, I think in the in the in the information, it's like we rate this at a five thousand spindle hour machine. Yep. Like, just build your business model around use five thousand hours on the spindle, then sell it used. And if someone's more of a hobbyist, they can rebuild right. it. They, they can do whatever. Right. But in what a production Haas, shop, I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's a good question to try and figure out. But I also I wouldn't say that that five thousand hours. It's it's it'd be like it'd be like a Ford that's like saying 5, like hours, like, like lights out hundred thousand mile warranty. It's just yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's gonna drive for a lot more than that. But yeah, it's just kind of like if you're a, a manufacturer, just like five thousand hours, swap it out. Like just yeah. as a pa- matter of practice. It's interesting. So, um, but yeah, but like in five thousand hours, that's a lot of knives. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've built all these knives, and I think I have like hundred and sixty hours on my machine. Yeah. Um, and it's like, shoot at this rate, it's going to be years and years. Well, and that fits in, right? So you're, you're six months into that machine. Yeah. So say 300 hours a year, you know, depends on how you run something like that. I mean, and then you add another machine. And so, I mean, that hits that five year mark real easy. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Interesting. So when, what else? Um, well, let me think. Uh, I've got, I actually did not have two knives or any knives come out with CRKT this year, but I have some coming and those are like, what, two weeks away now. So a little, little teaser. What do you you attribute that to? I always call them like black hole years where it's just like something happened and the timing doesn't line up and you realize you didn't submit. So it was, it was the, uh, the product cycle as you know, is two years. So it was two years ago that I had a gap in designing knives for CRKT. (laughs) It wasn't really that intentional, but it was, this was, I believe we got married and had a kid that year and also bought a house yeah. and moved and I think bought the CNC machine in the midst of all that. So it was kind of like this crazy year. And so it was like, I had multiple designs come out the year before and multiple that are coming out after. Yeah. So it's like it averages out, but it was yeah. like a, a catalog gap. It's the, for me, it's like one of the worst feelings. I really, yeah. I did the same thing when we moved, uh, back East and had Bo, yeah. it was like, you get done. And you're like, I didn't submit anything, man. Like yeah. I just, and you realize it and there's, it's like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. yeah. You missed a missed whole the, year. Missed the bus. Yeah. yeah. So got and, a black mark. Yeah. And so let's, that brings up a good point. So that, that I would say was a disappointment this year. It wasn't because yeah. of something I did this year, but it was something right. I did two years ago. 
But what it, did you have any disappointments for this year? I was thinking year? the exact same thing, man. Yeah. Were there any like big losses? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. My losses this year, I feel like tie in pretty well with my successes or like my growth. Mm-hmm. They were, they're small realizations or like, they're things that are, that are, shifting there's there was i don't think there was any like big failure mm-hmm. uh, oh actually i do have one um okay. this one really actually hurt uh last year was like a developmental year so we had moved in 2020 we're like finishing the house getting settled all this stuff for 2021 we did big home projects like we did like a huge landscaping project and there's been a few times in my life where like, I literally can't look at money. I you, like the only way, the only way out is through. Mm-hmm. So the only way to finish is to like spend your way through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like I say only, there's always an option. Like you can stop dead in your tracks, but yeah. I started this process. I had to finish it. I so grossly overspent last year in terms of what, I paid in taxes mm-hmm. that I had a f- big, very painful tax bill that took me yeah. the first six months of the year to square up on. Yeah. yeah that's um, tough. It's one that like, I would like to never do again. It's happened to me two times in my career. Like I, I think probably 13 years ago or something, I had like a, a good year where I just like, wasn't paying attention. Like my bookkeeping wasn't great. It's like money would come in, I would spend money. And then at the end it was like, yeah, estimated yeah, taxes which- did not actually cover that. So, um, yeah, the win from that is becoming even like much more dialed. I felt like, I felt like over the last couple of years, our process was good. Mm -hmm. So I give, I give last year a pass because I really, I didn't really see a workaround, but I'm going to do everything in my power to not, to not do that again. It cost. Yeah. Yeah. I've said it before when you're, (laughs) when you're self-employed, it feels like you're swimming in the water full of sharks Yeah, because there's all kinds of things that can kind of get at you. And the biggest, baddest shark in the water is the IRS. (laughs) Pay your taxes. Yeah. 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 And just, I mean, it, I think it's, I think a lot of us, we're not, we don't have a financial background, right? mm -hmm. So it's not like, I like money a lot, but it's not my prime driver. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's easy to just kind of not look at some of the math that really matters. And in this case I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. You gotta, you gotta square up with the IRS like face to face, you know, you gotta win that fight year by year. And I like the idea of paying yourself first and the IRS second, but it's a real, that's like those two, like you gotta pay yourself. Yeah. Right. There's no reason to do this if you're not, but yeah. man, like, and, and the way that we do it now is like, ultimately a percentage just comes out every time I do a withdrawal yeah. and it just goes into a tax account. Yeah. Like even at the end of this year, like my CPA reached out and was like, Hey, here's like, here's your year end. And it was more than we had thought going in. Yeah. That's great. That's a win. As long as you have the money to pay it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. 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 And I, I've made, I've made kind of a joke before that it's like the, that shark analogy. It's like, it's almost like every business bankruptcy or failure 
is the last nail is always the IRS. It seems right. like it's like it's like you're getting picked at by all these factors, yeah. but the one you're paying attention to all the other little sharks and you lose track of the big shark and the yeah. big shark is what kills you every time. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, it could just be your business model's bad. Yeah. But what actually pushes you off the cliff is the yeah. IRS at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's like the, uh, the hammer that strikes, you yeah. know, like the game over. I know, man. Yeah. Yeah. I so don't know. It's interesting. I just I, try I, to respect that, it. Yeah. You, you, that's all you can do, yeah. right? We, you know, you got to do it. Like for me, I had, the idea of paying taxes on your business, like was never really a thing. Like I look at it, I'm like the first CPA I ever worked with was like, look, I've done this for whatever, 30 years at that point. And she was like, the businesses that try to get over go away eventually. And mm-hmm. she's like, I realize there's probably exceptions to that rule. She's like, but the, the companies that just constantly are kind of on, on a probably, and this is probably like a scale thing on a small level. So like, if you're trying to cheat, she's like, you're focusing on the wrong thing and it means your business isn't running right. She's like, yeah. run your business, right? Pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're successful. And it just like really stuck with me. So like, yeah. I always had pride in the fact that like, I just pay my taxes. Yeah. You know, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, all this said, like I'm being doom and gloom about the yeah. IRS. I, I agree with paying taxes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's part of the, part of my civic duty. I get it. I'm just saying like, that's how much I respect it. <laughs> it's just a big shark. That's man. how much I respect it. Yeah. 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 Um, other, other failures, I think, um, man, really just still taking, like taking on too much, knowing mm-hmm. like moving into a project and, and knowing that I, sh- I, I don't have the bandwidth for it, mm-hmm. but kind of being patient with myself on that one because there's a lot of years of just saying yes to everything. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like I did a good job of actually turning down some good opportunities that weren't, didn't have the right timing. Yeah. Not the so fit. I can't really like yeah. what, it, like that's the thing, like failures, man. Like yeah. I look at failures as, as part of the process that we're in and they're, it's just like another learning tool. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like we said, I think earlier in a podcast, we said, you know, think about the things that you're not going to do, not about the things that you are going to do. Start there. And so that that's a strong move. Do you see any actual like, did you have any fails? Uh, Fails this year. Uh, One failed. It didn't seem that bad at the time, but it was a fail. It's actually okay. Yeah, this is a pretty good little tangent. But (laughs) I, I, I have 120 knives that are finished that I can't sell and they're all scalpels. And it was like the first big batch I did of them. And the the idea of the scalpel design was to circumnavigate surface grinding and water jet and just process actual steel bar stock into Mm -hmm. knives. And so the design lent itself to that. Um, And so that was like process oriented design. 101 was like trying to eliminate parts of the process that are outside of my shop that I can't control. And I ended up really taking it on the chin because I, I thought maybe I could face mill them right. and then and the finish was working. But when they went to heat treat and came back, they warped to all uh, hell. Like, like we're talking com- like boomerang shape. chips. Yeah. And so, and they're, and I tried to straighten them and they were too hard. They were ABL and they were just, I took them pretty hard. They'd snap. And so I've, and so what the, that was kind of a fail, but ABL isn't a crazy expensive steel. 
and I didn't have that much time into them. Yeah, but it's still time. It's time. Scaled. But but here's the real fail. Okay. I designed that knife for that to be the process to eliminate water jet and surface grinding. Right. And when that happened, I had not necessarily direct to customers, but I had like retailers that I'd kind of agreed to supply. And I told them, hold on, I got to do it again. And so I felt committed to continuing that knife. And I'd had them water jet and surface ground and made them, sold them. They worked out great. I love the knife. I love the knife. But it lost what its original purpose was yeah. because the original purpose was to circumnavigate these other processes. And here's the here's where the dilemma is, is if I'm going to have it water jet and surface ground and machined and stoned and blasted and tumbled, that's roughly the same amount of effort to make like an overland. And so it was like, it felt like at the end of the year, like, wow, that was a massive distraction. Every scalpel I made could have been an Overland or a Confidant or something else. And yet it was like a really small, simple knife. And it, it kind of taught me a lesson of like, if you're going to put in X amount of work, like make the value proposition at the end of it actually something significant. Yeah. Because if you're putting the same amount of work, but the end result is like, it's just not saleable at the same level. Yeah. Then I didn't like lose money on them, but overall the project kind of like went off the rails. Yeah. And that'll, that'll save yeah. you money in the long run though, because yeah. I think there's the other, what's the other valuable lesson in there would be like, <clears throat> you, you extrapolated a process that you thought would work based on what you were doing, but you had enough changes in the process that it actually was yeah. n- not the same. Yeah. And you based sales and promises on an unproven yeah. process. Yep, exactly. That's the lesson, right? Yep. Like you have to yep. prove, you have to prove the process before you can promise the product. Yeah. And I didn't take payment. So I wasn't right. like, I wasn't right. in a situation where I owed people knives, yeah. but it was like, I felt like verbally I owed people knives yeah. and it, it led me down a rabbit hole that was unproductive. Yeah. It wasn't, a, it was way less productive than I could have been for most of the year. Because to catch up from that loss took me like months because I, I then was slammed with Overland orders and I had to like cut my way through the Overland orders and try to get these knives out. And it became like a confusing kind of problem. And in hindsight, like I can see that when they were all warped and stuff, A, I should never have told the retailers they were coming necessarily. And B, I should have backed away from that design because it no longer was going to serve its intended purpose. Yeah. Man, it's sometimes it's hard. It's hard yeah. to cut your losses though. You just yeah. want to, because again, it's not just the money you mm-hmm. started a project. You, you might like really like the design. You want to finish it through. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, I think, I think it's, that's an okay one for me because it, if it's not just truly the bottom line, mm-hmm. the fact that you got it done, those knives exist in the world. Yeah didn't have the profit margin that you would hope, didn't have a, the process that would make it that valuable. Mm-hmm. It actually creates like a different type of value because now those, those knives are kind of a cool piece of yeah. history in your line, mm-hmm. right? Something that in 10 years is going to be rare, mm-hmm. right? And you learned a super valuable like process lesson yeah. from it. Yeah. That's like, that's a win. Yeah. And it's a design that, I don't know how my business model is going to transition moving forward, but it's a design that I like enough where it's, I could maybe hire an OEM to make yep. it. I have that's prime that's for it. possibly where it would slot, but I think I'm probably done making that knife yep. for the reasons I talked about. Not because I don't want to make it and it's not profitable, 
yeah. but because I'd rather be making Overland's confidants and a list of other items I have in right. mind, like maybe eventually a folder. Yeah. And it's like it, that knife kind of is Not like maybe eventually. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> a, yeah. Eventually a folder. Clear so that it, up. Yeah. It, it was like, it was kind of dragging me away from like bigger goals I had. Right. Yeah. Those are, yeah. I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time on those little goals. So it's like, I have a, the slightly different opinion, but again, I'm not doing it at scale, mm-hmm. right? The things that I'm doing at scale, I'm trying to make as efficient as possible. I'm just allowing myself room to like fully play to get some of those, those more like yeah, kind of interest driven projects out of my head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So maybe that, maybe that's what it becomes for you is like you allow yourself some real R and D playtime just yep. to like mess yep. with weird ideas. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. do a knife like object. Yep. Yeah, I've got some. I've got some some thoughts. I've oh, got. Man. I'm I'm excited because, like I said, I have <clears> the <throat> process for the Overland like yep held tightly, and I feel like I have it refined. Yep. And I'm not super worried about like a massive thing coming out of a blind right. side, and they're right. not going to come back warped unless right. something changed with the steel metallurgy or something. Like right. the, my process works on that knife, so if I keep re-updating it into new designs, then I can start to put my brain power towards other processes, new things yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Well, that's actually, that's a great segue, man. Um, predictions, hopes for 2023. You go first. <sighs> man. Uh, I feel like this year set me up really well to move into really enjoyable work next year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hyped about Got all learning more CAD and CAM. Yeah. Like that is, that is the most exciting thing on my horizon. Um, I feel like all of the kind of slowdowns that I put into place are actually taking effect and they're like giving me the time that I'm wanting. So the way that I see next year is kind of like, I want to focus on internal CAD CAM and manufacturing. Uh, like as, as the learning tool for like kind of that, that Trinity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't feel like as much, like if I really focus on CAD, but don't take it through like making an efficient project in my own shop, I wouldn't get the full value from it. Mm-hmm. But ex- like, I think additionally, that'll really help bump up some ideas that I have for like production design for, you know, CRKT and Boker um, and Burnley brand. Like I'm excited in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also just like the creative side, uh, both Maddie and myself, um, are getting a little bit more time to really learn and develop skill sets. So I actually, yeah. I kind of am hoping for no crazy growth. Yeah. Um, well, you've, you've I just created a work fertile ground for creativity. Ground. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. I think, I think that's like the big, I don't even know if that's like a prediction, man. It's just a hope. Yeah. I hope that yeah. I've created a system. The optimistic where, view of the yeah. 12 months ahead of us. Yeah. Where yeah. I, I can actually work creatively. Um, and just keep learning, man. I yeah. realize, like if, if someone dropped, you know, lottery winnings into my bank account, I would probably just spend all my time learning. Yeah. Something, sure. you know, it's like I'd go to school for architecture. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's cool. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a big one, man. Um, more outside time with the boys. It's like not like you yeah. said, it's like, yeah, 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 it's not knife, but it's such a big, such a big component. Um, yeah. no, I have the same like, goal. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's I, a big one. We had my, uh, my little boy, like I said, this year and he kind of made it a little hard to have the outside time we usually like, you know, yeah. we got a little, little baby. It kind of changes. Yeah. So yeah. next year, yeah, similar goal for me. Delicate potato. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's come now he's coming to next year. He's coming into like the fun, the toddler, like more stuff. robust. You don't have yeah. to like worry about the neck as much. Like, yeah. 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 What about, oh, so, okay. I'm trying to think if there's any other, any other big ones. No, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm like taking a creative coding class and like, yeah. it's, I just realized like all of it is, is around like expanding my skill set. Yeah. I don't know where it goes though. And that's yeah. super exciting. Yeah. Okay. What about, what about yours? So I spent two years building a process to make what I believe are high quality, cool fixed blades. I've got the process. Yep. I'm, I don't intend to change it too much. I feel like I've got it prototyped and refined. 2023, I'm going to find out at what RPM this process can operate at without overheating. And yep. by overheating, I mean me overworking. You know yep. what I mean? So I'm like, yep. are you going to push it? I mean, is this, I'm going to push it a back little to bit. The namesake, man. Is this, are you going to find the edge? Like, is that the yeah. goal? A little yeah. bit. All right. I don't want, I don't want to go crazy. Like I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to work like normal hours, but I, I want to see like, cause I have to kind of order material and have it water jet and stuff. Yeah. I want to see like how much can I feed through this process and the quality is always going to be there and how much can it, can I float through here and get and, you know, execute and stay on top of it and not fall behind essentially. Yeah. And uh, just see like, okay, now time for this process to like f- go full auto, you know, and see like what a, it, do you have a kill switch? Uh, well, I mean, I, I just don't have to order as much steel. Like, sure. you know what I mean? I just, for me, the measure is going to be like in my, in my mind, I'm going to order X amount of steel thinking I can get it through. Yep. But if I can't, then I'm eventually going to have to stop ordering as much steel. Right. So it's like steel is like the, uh, mechanism for throttle okay. <laughs> in a sense. I get um, it. and I'm just going to see how, how much, how fast and how quick do I need to get steel water jet to keep this thing moving? We'll do you see. hire next year? Um, part-time at least for sure. Okay. I yeah. think that's a really, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I see that as a, yeah. as something coming down the line for you. Yeah. That's exciting. Cause that's, again, it's all learning. It's just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that is yeah. such a different process. Yeah. So I just, I feel like this isn't my long-term plan to just like crank out these exact fixed blades forever. Yep. It's, but it's, it's like, if I'm going to build the process and prototype it for two years, Yep. I'm now going to find out what can this process do yep. when pushed, Yep. you know, and then we'll see in, in 18 months, maybe I'll say, okay, I saw what it did. Yeah. Now I'm going to tweak it or I'm going to add this or I'm going to go to folders or I'm going to do X. Yeah. But for now, like I'm making these knives and I'm going to make them efficiently and high quality the way I know how and just see how it goes. I like the idea yeah. of you, you being like silencer co and just having, you're like, that's production floor. Yeah. And this is my crazy R and D lab. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, part of it is like for the employee thing we've talked about at nauseum, but like I want more space to have a proper employee set up. And so uh, my view is like, if this year I can execute the way I know how as a one man shop or maybe with some help part-time or something, it can potentially finance the shop that I want. And then I can start to pivot because right now it's kind of like turn and burn and get to yeah, where I yeah, need yeah. to be real estate wise. Yeah. 
And so for me, it's like, I can't do uh, detours that slow down my progress towards the next shop. That's yeah. kind of like I'm on the straight and narrow. And for yeah. me, the most profitable mechanism that's working for me is to make these fixed blades right now. Yeah. Yep. All right. So stay the course. We'll see. All right. So, I mean, that's a little, <laughs> that's a little bit of this year Yeah. and some thoughts on next year, man. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to keep running the podcast to you. Um, and we've talked about kind of some areas we want to take that maybe and yeah. some, some ideas. So, yep. Yep. It's going to be cool. We're, we're going to, we want to spice this up a little bit, start adding some, some, uh, flavor maybe with like some video eventually yeah, do or more, do cool. video, do, yeah. we, you know, like try a Patreon maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of, just kind of start to see, do some podcasty yeah. stuff so yeah. we can learn again. We're, this is like totally new for us. Yeah. So kind of a fun, yeah. maybe we need an intro or an outro. Yeah. Yeah. Do we, if, we, if we're going to do music <laughs> for an intro and outro, what do you guys think? Like heavy metal, guitar, <laughs> instrumental, uh, like acoustic or like drums. Uh, I like just a, I just like one tone. Didgeridoo. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome or science fictional, info. like yeah. synthesized. Ooh, that, that just, that's clicking with me right there. There you go. Uh, incidentally, as like a parting shot, um, took the boys last night to see a movie with some of their friends mm. and we saw Puss in Boots. Oh yeah. And it was awesome. Like the older one? No, the new one. Oh, I didn't yeah, know dude, there was a new it's, one. It's so good. It was like actually, the Shrek was, one. Yeah. So yeah. Puss, Puss in Boots as a character from Shrek in yeah. his own, um, I think Story Antonio arc. Banderas is the voice, hmm. right? And I think the, I forget what his name is, but the actor from No Country for Old Men hmm. is a super interesting character. Yeah. Um, Sounds cool. Really enjoyed it. So yeah, if you guys need like a post-holiday, go see that movie. Yeah. Or by yourself. Dig it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Thank you all. Yep. Uh, happy New happy Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for Appreciate sticking it out with us. Yep. Uh, leave us a review shoot us questions um big mm-hmm. goal for me i guess next year also is to include you guys more you yep. need to do some like have them sending questions and yeah. do a q a yeah yeah all right take it to the next level all right sounds good all right man happy new year and we'll talk yeah. soon peace <laughs>